0: Well, I also want to welcome you today, I welcome those here here at 9.30 as well as those at the Well and the Well Cafe this morning. Uh, glad you were here with us. If we have not met, my name is David and uh, thrilled to share with you as we continue uh, this Summer of Joy message series. If you have your Bible with you, I want to encourage you to open that to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, if you didn't bring your Bible with you, you can find Ephesians 2 on page 815. I did that at 815 also, this is really confusing, 1815 uh, in the Blue Bible that we have available for you i'd love for you to join us uh, there as we begin uh, today uh, as we move through uh, the summer one of the things I invited you to do last week and I want to remind you about again is to share uh, your pictures from the the things you 're going to be doing this summer uh, and uh, you can do that two different ways on social media by using this hashtag #FMCMSummerOfJoy summer of joy or through email at summer at fmCM and I want to lift up uh, just a few of those pictures for you today the first one here uh, is of our high school seniors our graduates uh, our capstone group uh, that spent the week in the Kingwood area uh, blessing those who are continuing in the relief and recovery process uh, from uh, from hurricane Harvey uh, so they were there this week and uh, everybody got back uh, home safe uh, the other picture I want to share with you is uh, this is Maddie Maddie grew up here in our church she's done a lot of work in our our children's ministry and uh, she spent this week in Guatemala uh, she was there on a medical mission trip this is her I think second trip to Guatemala and of course you know what can go wrong you go to Guatemala no big deal she gets there and a volcano erupts and mom and dad find out on Monday that she's 50 miles away from this erupting volcano but she's home safe everything's great Uh, proud of Maddie and uh, her work and and our high school seniors and that's just part of your church at work uh, over the course of this last week Uh, so again if you'd like to share your pictures we'd love to share them with the entire congregation you can you can do that by emailing those or or sharing those on social media. Last week we looked at this passage of Scripture, Colossians 1.27. We talked about the glorious riches of the Christian faith, what Paul describes as Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we started by saying that we believe in Christ and in Christ alone there is hope. In Christ and in Christ alone there is life and there is life to the full. In Christ and in Christ alone, there is unending joy. And the purpose of this series that we're going to be going through throughout the summer is to challenge ourselves to claim that joy, to live in that joy, recognizing that that joy is found in Christ, Christ in you, you living in Christ. And what I want to look at today is where that begins. So if you, if you had that question last week, well, where does it start? Where does it begin? That's what we're going to look at today. And then we're also going to look at what it is that sustains us and nurtures us as we continue in that life in Christ. So before I read to you Ephesians 2, I, I need some help here. And I need it not only for you here at 930, but also those uh, who are in our worship, other worship spaces. So uh, let's see if you can do this with me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that... I once was but now was blind. All right, let's do it one more time. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost, was blind. Now, if you're completely lost... That is the song Amazing Grace, one of the most famous songs, famous hymns of the Christian faith. And I want to start there because I want you to remember the words of that song. I want you to think about the words of that first verse as we move through uh, this reading that we have from Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to to think about that uh, modern expression of the gospel as we listen to how Paul expresses that. Here. Now, a few words of context about what I'm going to read to you. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. And in writing to this church, it's important for you to know he's he's writing to people who have already said yes to Jesus. He's writing to people who have already become Christians. And they have become Christians because of Paul's ministry in Ephesus. He spent three years there. And now separated from them, he writes this letter back to these individuals that he had poured his life into. So uh, understand that the people who are receiving this letter, people who already said yes, and they're people that Paul would have known very well because of the relationship that he had built with him over the course of many years. So listen now, Ephesians chapter two, uh, for the first eight verses of what Paul shares with them. He writes, as for you, you were dead. And I want you to keep that in your, in your mind too. This is a uh, language that Paul uses. As for you in the life that you used to live, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse three, all of us also lived among them. Now, who were the them? The them are all those who were once dead. So Paul begins by saying, this is what your life used to be. This is where you started, but don't feel bad because that's where we all once were. All together, we were in that place where we were dead. We didn't even know it. We didn't even know what life was all about. We were living in such a way that we were gratifying the the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. This was what life used to be. In other words, the first three verses here are the once was lost part of the song. This is the I was blind part of the song. And then we get to verse four. And verse four, you see, but because of his great love for us, God. Uh, another translation uh, says it this way it's a little bit more simply and a little bit more direct, but God. So this is where your life was, this is what life used to be about, but God. There was a divine interruption that happened in your life. God entered into your story and provided for you the opportunity to live in a whole different way. This is what God has done for you, and God has done it out of His mercy and out of His love. So, what exactly has God done? We keep reading. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. So again, you once were dead, but God in Christ has now made you alive. So so for these who received this letter thousands of years ago, they became Christians not just because they understood everything in the story and they had memorized all the facts and they knew the words to the song. They became Christians because God had made them alive in Christ Jesus. In other words, it's more than just saying, well, you know what? I've got all my questions answered. I think I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. It is what happens because of God's activity in your life that brings you from death to life for those who've originally received this letter and for everyone who's made that decision. That's what happens when you become a person of faith. It's what we open ourselves up for God to do in us. God made you alive in Christ even when you were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved, Paul writes. Verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed to us and His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And then Ephesians 2, 8, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So you once were dead and you didn't even know it. That's the, I once was lost, I was blind part of the story. But God, God intervened. And because God intervened, there is now a song that we know that tells the rest of the story, what God has done according to God's grace. God has found you. God has given you life. God has given you the ability to see. This is... Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And remember with me that the people who are receiving this letter are people who already said yes. This is a story that they're not hearing for the very first time. They've already made a radical commitment in their life to live as a follower of Jesus. And yet what we find Paul doing here is the same thing we see him doing throughout his writings uh, with, with many of the individuals that he had brought to faith. He's reminding them what faith is all about. He's ensuring that they remember what their story is all about. In other words, bringing it into the modern context, Paul wants to make sure that you still remember the words of the song. He wants to make sure that you remember amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost but now I'm found, was blind but now I see. Uh, This past week, our our former senior pastor, uh, Pastor Mike, was uh, traveling out West. Uh, He works uh, with churches all throughout Central Texas. And I'm not exactly sure what he was doing out West, but along the way, he took some pictures of small Methodist churches in some of the communities that he passed through. And the first picture that he shared was a picture of Bangs United Methodist Church in Bangs, Texas. If you did not know, there is a Bangs, Texas. And in uh, 78, uh, that's where uh, Pastor Mike and Rhonda moved. Uh, where he began his ministry. He was there for uh, four years there in Bangs. And while Mike was serving in Bangs, 10 miles down the road in Santa Ana. Texas. If you didn't know, well, there is a Santa Ana, Texas. Uh, you find the Santa Ana United Methodist Church, and uh, again, during that same time period, uh, just ten miles down the road, my dad was serving as the pastor of Santa Ana United Methodist Church. So I shared this picture with uh, with all of you uh, via Facebook. If you're my Facebook friend, and uh, remembering this this uh, growing up here, I was there till right before I started elementary school. We lived across the street. Uh, That's where the parsonage was at the time. Uh, I remember uh, how dark and dingy kind of the sanctuary was inside. I remember there was a basement uh, in this church, which I thought was was pretty cool. And I remembered and celebrated as I shared this picture that this is where I was baptized. Uh, Until my dad commented on uh, one of the photos and said, no, son, uh, you were baptized at Brock. Brad, my brother, was baptized at St. Anna. Now here's what you have to know about my family, we don't trust dad to remember the the important details of our life. He is not the family historian. And so my response to him was simply this, uh, no, ask mom, I've seen the pictures. You need to go to the source. You need to go ask mom. She'll tell you, she'll straighten you out. Brad wasn't baptized at Santa Ana. I was baptized at Santa Ana. You got the pictures mixed up. Go look at the pictures, I was baptized there. So get through the rest of the day. The next day, uh, our family is driving down to Austin for our twin nieces high school graduation. I text my mom and I say, did you straighten dad out about where I was baptized? And she texts back and she says, no, because you were baptized at Brock. And I, I, I didn't believe her. I, I said, I've seen the pictures, I remember that kind of dark and dingy sanctuary, uh, I, I, I've seen them many times. I, I want you to go back and look at the pictures, because I really think I was baptized at Santa Ana. And this is — this was what she sent me back. She said, you were baptized at Brock. You were sick that morning and wore no shoes to the baptism because you did not feel good. Our friend Cheryl Mays was there that day and made the broccoli rice casserole that we still have for our family meals. Now, at this point, you'd probably give up. Not me. I mean, I'm thinking even the family historian doesn't know, you know. I mean, I was, I was baptized at six months old, but still, I'm pretty sure it was at Santa Ana, And so, I texted back and I said, I want to see the pictures. It's okay. This was the, this was the picture that my mom sent me. And I thought, well, that's, that's kind of how I remember it. And yeah, it's a kind of a dark and dingy sanctuary, but that's not where that window was that I remember. And, and I was thinking, well, maybe there's, maybe there's still hope that I'm right. And then I looked down and I noticed I'm not wearing any shoes. So she got that detail right. And of course, I had to relent and recognize that it's possible that maybe my parents remember better what happened in the fall of 1978 than I do. Uh, I was, in fact... Baptized at Brock, not at Santa Ana. So, apologies for my error there. <laughs> Memory is a funny thing. It's funny what we remember, and it's also funny what we forget. There are things that we remember that we never forget, they're, they're always there for us a, a recollection of, of a moment in our life. And there's things that we can't remember the next day, or maybe even the next hour after it's happened. If you were to ask my mom today, hey, what would you have for dinner on Tuesday, I bet she wouldn't know. She'd have to think about it for a moment. But for some reason, she remembers that on a fall Sunday in 1978, one of the things on that table was the broccoli rice casserole that our friend Cheryl Mays made for the day of her first son's baptism. It's funny what we remember and what we, what we forget. And maybe that's why Paul here, not only in Ephesians 2, but in, in many places throughout his writings, why Paul is so careful with those he has invested in, those he's shared the gospel with to ensure that they haven't forgotten what the gospel really is all about. You need to remember, Paul writes, you were dead and you didn't even know it. Uh, you, you were heading in a direction that you, you didn't even understand where you were going to end up and nothing Nothing was going to stop. Nothing was going to stop that but God. And what God did, because God, God brought you from death to life. That's what God did. God gave you the gift of being able to see life in a whole new way. God gave you the gift of being able to, to live in a whole new way. You once were lost. But now you've been found, you, you were blind, but now, but now you see, you, you, you can't forget. You gotta remember. You gotta remember the words of the song. And here's why. Because our life is crippled when the now I'm found loses sight of the once-was-lost part of the story when we when we forget when we live in this new way of life and we forget what it was like to be dead and to not even know it before we had an awareness before we could see before we'd been found to remember what life was like and to remember what god did and how life has changed because of that grace. It's it's actually easier than we think to find ourselves living in the now I'm found and to forget what it was like when we were once lost and unable to see what life was really all about. I was at a conference several years ago and uh, Matt Redman was leading worship. Uh, You may know that name, Uh, you may have heard some of his music. And he introduced a new song for us uh, that day, for us to sing with him. And he told us a little bit about why he wrote the song and what it meant to him. He talked about that as as a young man growing up in England who felt called to lead worship, he had no idea that that would mean he would... Uh, over the course of his life traveled to really all over the world, leading worship in in, in all sorts of different places, being able to to meet people of different cultures and uh, different perspectives and to to lead them all in in worship. He talked about how amazing and just awe-inspiring his life had been to to be able to to be in all of these great places to meet these, these incredible people, but he said, I wrote this song to remind myself of the place that I've been in my life that has changed my life more than anything, the most awe-inspiring place I've been, and to celebrate and remember what, what it was that I experienced, what it was that I received in that place. And so today as you think about your story. And you think about Amazing Grace and you think about what Paul writes here in Ephesians 2, I've asked Dylan to come and to, to share that song with you. As you listen to it um, and just reflect on your life and, and your story, I want you to, I want you to think about this, this place that this song speaks of and think about the gift that it speaks of as well. I hope that those words uh, reflect your story. They speak about your life and where you have been and where uh, where God has brought you. But if it's not yet your story, that's where it begins. It begins in the dust at the foot of the cross of Jesus, because that's the place where mercy is received. That's the place where life, life really begins. And if you haven't been there, that's okay, but we'd love to take you there. We'd love to help you find that place and to experience that gift that many of us have received. Or if you're thinking, well, I'm not sure I've been there. I think I have, but I I don't know. We'd love to talk to you about that and talk about why for us that That has changed everything. But if you have been there, if you've experienced that moment of being there, kneeling before the cross of Jesus, recognizing the dust of your life, don't ever forget it. Because nothing you ever receive in your life will be worth more than that. And nothing can take it away. So don't forget Don't lose the wonder of how awesome, awesome that is that you once were lost, and the only reason that you're not anymore is because someone came looking for you so that you might be found. That you once were blind, but God has given you the opportunity to see. And that if you've been given that gift, the great joy of our life is we get to help others to find their place there in the dust at the foot of the cross of Jesus. Let's pray. Loving God, we come to you today with gratitude that You have interrupted our story, and because of what You have done, Lord, there is now a new song that gets to become our life story. Lord, we pray that You would help us, those who have experienced that gift, You would help us to remember every word of that song. And never lose sight of what an incredible gift that is. To remember that nothing can take that away from us and nothing in our life can ever overshadow it. And that it is the true joy of our life. And Lord, I want to pray for anyone here who's who's still searching, who's still seeking out an understanding of what this story might mean for their story. More than anything today, Lord, I pray that you would bless them with the knowledge that they're surrounded by people who care about them and love them and want to bless them and who want to do that because of the blessing you have been to each each of them. So bring us all, Lord, again in the dust, to the place where we might kneel and receive the mercy and grace that you bring. All these things we pray today in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.